I'm Morgan Neely, and this is Valley Voices. KDNK recently spoke with homegrown photographer Pete McBride. His photos and films have won awards, but the COVID-19 pandemic catalyzed somewhat of a personal transformation in how McBride views the world. His new book, Seeing Silence, The Beauty of the World's Most Quiet Places, chronicles McBride's interest in how the natural world communicates through the gaps in noise and how that's becoming more difficult to find on an increasingly noisy planet. So tell me about your relationship with quiet and silence in in sacred wild places. Uh, it's a it's pretty interesting for me because it's been an evolution over the time. Because um, I'm a, mostly a visual storyteller, um, photographer, and filmmaker, so I've always been chasing the vistas, so to speak, and. Over that period of time, whenever I came back from assignment, I always remembered that the the sounds that I heard when I was in either really remote places or places rich with wildlife or places getting heavily impacted by by human activity, the sounds resonated much longer for me. And I think the lockdown with COVID, as hard as it was, and it was really challenging, obviously, for everybody and for so many on health reasons, but for us uh, photographers and filmmakers and speakers that were used to traveling, going out in the world, it, was, it kind of shut our whole businesses down completely and still is to a degree. Um, so it made me really reflect and look into other ways I could look at my work. And I, I realized I saw this this thread that wove throughout all my work and a lot of my memories of it, and um, I went out and started pursuing also during COVID um, when I could, the places I could travel um, safely and, and legally. I went and chased stories around um, that, that period of quietude, which is the greatest period of recorded quietude in recorded history, they say, because everyone was talking about the birds talking, uh, singing louder, which they really weren't. It's just that we could hear them but a lot of the marine life was acting differently. Um, coyotes and other um, species were roaming cities. Our pollution was going away. We were starting to see the natural world kind of reclaim its, its, its space in the world and remind us you know, of its beauty, of its power. And so that's what really that COVID really became the, just it solidified this whole project to a degree. I was thinking about that earlier, how how fitting it seems that this would be what you're presenting and what your what your newest book is is about at the end of well, we're not at the end of it, but we're almost two years in to this pandemic and I wondered about what that level of isolation had been like for you and how it had uh fed into your creative process yeah like it was tough uh, on many fronts for me um obviously it's been really tough for millions and now it's you know it's tragic we've lost so many eight over eight hundred thousand it's hard to even comprehend yeah but uh, for those of us in the creative space um 
that don't have nine to five jobs and are have to go out and meet people. It was just like the emergency break just came on. I suddenly felt like 20 years of my career just came to a screeching halt. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. So it was, it was tough from that front. Um, obviously, there was much greater challenges for many and health reasons. And I lost a lot of friends personally during mm-hmm. this. I'm sorry. So it's been a tough, yeah, I mean, it's been tough. But um, I think it's good because it's um, the not not the pandemic, but it's good to reflect and, and figure out how to reinvent ourselves um, when you're in the creative world. And I had to reinvent myself a little bit. This book is a little bit um, a reinvention of, of my storytelling process, but also thinking now when I, when I go out in assignment or when I do storytelling, I, I really am far more conscious of the audio side of it. The, not just the silence, but the sounds that, that, that can really define so much of an experience and, and tell so much of a story. I, I saw you and Kevin Fidarko co-present um, at Pepke some years ago. And mm-hmm. it was fun because it felt like it felt natural and, and organic, but it also felt like you two were sort of workshopping the the narrative around your adventure in the Grand Canyon together and, and workshopping what eventually became that film. So my experience of you has been you're sort of charismatic and dynamic and you and Kevin have this bit that you do with each other that's really entertaining and funny in my opinion. And so to move from a space where I've seen you be sort of voluble and to then have this transformation to where you're examining quietude and and silence and the sounds that that occur in nature when most of us aren't there to experience them. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, I've always had this side of me. I'm, I still like to joke around and be a goofball and and have fun. Um, but I've always been very tuned into this a little bit. And um, I think what's what's been fun about this book, I I, I actually spent the better part of the lockdown of the, of the year writing it. The writing was really fun because I got to explore a lot of this in different ways. And that's um, a, a different part of the brain, of course the uh, writing versus the, the visual storytelling, the photography. Right. And um, so it was, uh, it was a learning curve for me th- throughout. And I got to learn a lot of really interesting things, too. Um, just the, the power of, of sound um, for species. So many species on the planet, they see through hearing. They see through their ears. I went and actually did a project for Smithsonian, which is part of the book, um, where I swam in the Arctic of Norway um, to document and, and listen to the orca and other, and the humpback whales and how they were communicating. And they were, they were communicating differently, not louder, but, but differently, more energetic, as the experts said it. It was like they'd left the, the cocktail party or the cocktail party of, of humanity had, had shut its door and they could go back to communicating with each other at um, in different ways in a different volume and I got to experience that and um, but that was really interesting to me to realize how important um, sound and silence not silence defined by void of sound but silence defined by natural sounds how important that is on this planet for for the survival of so many species but also for the health of us 
we often don't think about that, but it has huge implications for us, um, noise pollution. Yeah, say more about that. Well, they've done studies on 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 noise pollution, which, of course, we've kind of shrouded the planet in it, and we live, you know, traffic, um, planes overhead all the time. And it's just been growing. You know, our phone's pinging us uh, wherever we go in our pocket. And they used to define wilderness as 15 minutes of uninterrupted natural sound. And uh, a guy in the Northwest who I interview in the book, um, he talks about how those places you... You, it, you're hard-pressed to find places during daylight hours that last longer than, than five minutes. And what's happened to us, obviously that affects the wildlife, and they're, they're trying to communicate through their kind of symphony, um, the overlays of sounds that they can kind of work with each other. And, um, but for us, it's affected, um, obviously, our stress level, uh, sleep and insomnia has become a big thing. But they've found that silence is really critical for um, helping um, to prevent Alzheimer's and dementia, and um, also heart disease is related um, to high stresses from, from noise pollution. And they're just starting to get into it. And there's been a lot of studies around the healing power of meditation, and meditation is really about quieting the brain mm-hmm. and quieting that, that chatter that's always in our background. Do you have a practice so a yourself? There. I I do, but I'm 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 the first to admit I'm terrible at it. Um, you know, my brain wanders all over the map, but I, I try, and I notice that if I can just sit for five minutes and not, you know, it's not like I'm quieting my brain and getting rid of thoughts. I'm just not focusing on them. I'm trying to just focus on my breathing, and you know, the random thoughts run through my head, right. probably just as much as anybody. But I try not to. You know, fixate them. I let them pass, and then try to get back to my breathing. And I notice that I'm I'm just a little more clear-headed, and I think that resonates for me with this book because that was one thing I reflected on when I come back from these assignments, where I was doing long expeditions or going to remote places, is just how clear and crisp and and um, relaxed I was, mostly because my my head felt quieter, my 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 brain, the noise in my head had the din had uh, dulled a little bit. Right. And I think that's because I was letting myself kind of meditate in those places through physical challenge or, or just because I was alone in, in, in a wild spot. I wondered too what that's like for you because I, I assume that you're having, and based on previous work of yours and film, um, it it's apparent that you have a deep spiritual or emotional connection to the places that you visit. And I wonder with how much our idea and our ideas around work have shifted during the pandemic. I wonder what it feels like for you because you're out there working, right? So how do you, how do you feel as you balance work and, and just the personal pleasure that you're experiencing being in these places? It's a it's a good question. I uh, yeah, a lot of people see you know what I do and they they, they romanticize it like oh it's so great. Sure. But people often don't realize that when I'm out in the middle of nowhere and it, yes it may be a beautiful spot that people aspire to go to and and I hope they they can. But when I'm there I'm 
that's how I make my living. So I'm, I'm getting paid to come back with unique imagery, a unique story that's well-crafted, that's accurate. And there's a saying at National Geographic that, because uh, uh, we don't publish excuses. Um, so you come back and you say, well, there was a big storm or my batteries died or I was tired or it just wasn't <laughs> right. Well, then you don't get another job. And so um, I've lived with that for 20 years, you, you know, two decades of trying to do this work. It's competitive, it's challenging, and it's wonderful, and I love it. But it's there is a level of stress when you're out there. And so it, it's a, a bit of a dance. You're trying to balance that stress and then, you know, making sure you're documenting and doing your job with also there's times where I just want to put the camera down and take a mental image and remember it for what it is. And, and just and be, be there. Yeah, and just be present and embrace it for what it is. And it, I've learned through experience and time that um, it's um, kind of the most important thing I can do is is sometimes not take pictures. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a good lesson for anybody out there. A lot of I see a lot of young photographers and influencers are always going out to trying to document every second. And, and you know, there's a certain level that's great, and it enables them to do that get outside and be there, but it's, I think it's good to have, um, space for yourself, but also space for the, the place you're visiting, have some reverence for it and don't just think of it as a backdrop for, you know, our social media backgrounds. Um, I try to think of these, these outdoor, particularly the, the magical ones that are, that are still quiet and still wild, um, a, a bit like an outdoor cathedral, um, what, no matter what religion, all religions share um, a reverence for silence. And I think it's important to, um, to think about that in our outdoor spaces. I'm Morgan Neely, and you're listening to Valley Voices. KDNK recently sat down with award-winning local photographer Pete McBride. Here's more from our conversation about his new book, Seeing Silence, The Beauty of the World's Most Quiet Places. This gets back to um, to the book and um, this idea of seeing silence. Do you think that um, having more of a focus on sound recently gives you that opportunity to still be working but remove yourself a little bit from that stress of capturing the right image, um, capturing an image that's going to be seen by thousands of people. Um, what has that transformation been like for you to, obviously you're still taking photos, you're still taking video, but to, um, to hone in on sound and the absence of sound. It's, it's helped me actually slow down. Yeah. Take more moments for myself and that and I've become a bit of a geek about it so I, I carry a um, um, either I carry a device or let me see if I still have it on here um, I have a decibel meet measuring device mm. on my phone mm-hmm. and so I'll, I'll I'll usually be in a place even if I'm with people I'll tell people all right we're gonna do an exercise here we're gonna take two minutes don't make a sound hard <laughs> to try not to breathe we're gonna see how low we can get the decibel meter and um, people get into it and it's fun and it's really hard. Um, we're just for reference on the 
just on this phone call, we're talking, and I'll turn it on just for grins, uh, talking on 45 decibels right uh-huh. now, 50, 60 if it's putting it near me. Um, and the quietest I've ever recorded was actually in the Grand Canyon, and I was able to get 20 decibels. Um, a rock concert can go over 120. So it's it's a fun game, It's but it's interesting. It makes you realize how noisy the world is, because you can be in a remote spot. Um, you can be on the top of one of our our peaks here. You can be on top of Sopris and think you're in a quiet <laughs> spot, and you hear a jet fly over, and it quickly goes right up to 65 decibels. Yeah. Or um, someone runs by you with their uh, with their jammy pack, listening to. With, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other deal, and I I don't know how that's evolved. I just that sort of befuddles me a little bit. I get I See. love music. I, I listen. I love rocking out, but it doesn't mean that I assume everybody around me wants to rock out to my music, <laughs> or that pikas are interested in it. <laughs> yeah, or. <laughs> The wildlife wants to hear, you know, <laughs> the next groove beach. But um, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a generational thing. But I, I personally, I do tell people, I ask them politely and say, hey, you know, I came out here to find some peace and maybe hear the wildlife. You mind? Um, it's like you're into the tunes. Go for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a balance. Just being respectful of not just your neighbor, but maybe the uh, the wild critters out there too. That are actually trying to survive yeah. um, through their through their hearing and their ears. You obviously spend a lot of time thinking about water and, and experiencing water and taking photographs of water. And um, you did that Source to Sea project um, with the Ganges. And, and after that, um, the National Geographic Society bestowed this freshwater hero title on you and i wonder about other than experiencing water in its frozen state during the winter i wonder if you have any wim hoffian rituals or anything in the winter what's your experience of water like in the winter do you do you hit the hot springs do you have like a do you do any of the cold soak stuff i occasionally do cold soaks yeah i believe in it they're hard but um (laughs) i'm not as tough as i'd like to claim uh, i don't do it in the Roaring park river um in the middle of winter I, i'll maybe do it in in early april but <laughs> right around now I, I get pretty wimpy um i would like to hit the hot springs but i don't live in carbondale you guys have much better proximity to the hot springs than i do um but i do um i do actually do the wim hof um cold shower um technique hot shower in the morning and then end it with cold yeah same uh, just good for the head good for the circulation and and then i also if i go skiing um whether i'm alone or with i'm with friends i try to get people to stop and just just take 30 seconds and don't talk and look and don't ski no music nothing just take it in and i do that on raft trips with friends um and a lot of people are like oh and and then they're like oh great uh, or initially, they're like, oh, like, this is so awkward. I can't do this. But once you get past the awkward stage, you're like, wow, that was like the most memorable thing I did. So it's it's a fun little exercise, maybe suggestion for your listeners. Fun to try. Yeah, I, I like that you're, that you've 
focused on this project of seeing silence. It's really fascinating to me, and um, and I think it's so it's such an appropriate time um, with the pandemic to to transform in that way and to to think about the experience of the natural world and just our day to day lives in a different way. There's certainly been an opportunity for quiet, even if it's because of sad, desperate, horrible times, but it, it still is an opportunity, I think. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think we've all become more aware of it to a degree, and I hope we, we still learn from it. It seems like you know, we're all a little desperate to get back to life right. as we remember it, and hopefully with that we don't you know, just blast the speakers nonstop, which we're pretty good at. Um, nothing against last of speakers because, like I said, I do um, love dancing and, and <laughs> live music, loud music occasionally. I don't pretend to be some sort of Buddhist guru on silence, but I do I do think uh, we need to be reminded of the power of it um, on so many levels for our for our own sanity, our own health, and for the health of the planet. What's what's keeping you inspired right now? What what sorts of things are you reading and listening to? Oh, I, I got one that's really interesting. People might like the hidden life of trees. Basically, uh, the how trees communicate with each other and with us in ways that we often don't even notice. Which it turns out a lot of that communication takes place through um, fungal networks, right? Totally through yeah. the soil. Yeah. Uh, through scent um, soil, and it's kind of on the you know the slow time, deep time, some people call it. And of course, a good way to kind of try to approach deep time is through quiet. So hmm. related. <laughs> I'll, I'll mention one more thing that's some, on a personal note, sure. uh, a bit more personal. Is before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of speaking on different stages, and it was starting to. Um, it was a lot of travel, a lot of stress. It was a lot of being on, and it was rewarding on a certain, you know, level because you're sharing something I cared about about protecting our wild places. But it was the collective stress was adding up to me, and it was it was you know I was having challenges kind of with the, I don't know, adrenal fatigue and, um, you know, trying to keep positive uh, while you're on the road doing that, and despite all the challenges around the lockdown and COVID and pandemic, it's um, learning how to connect with silence and be quiet and, and chill out has actually really been helpful to me. Yeah. So it's, um, there's been, you know, a bit of a self kind of healing path through this, this book project, which was unexpected and, and interesting. Huh. Um, thanks for the wide ranging conversation pete yeah well yeah in a month they'll be the books will be back out available again i think they've kind of run out which is cool but kind of poor timing (laughs) (laughs) yeah not too many haters of it yet but you know there's always they're always out there (laughs) yeah we'll have to dig through it in in depth and uh, figure out what's going to upset the internet the most Oh yeah, I've already had one comment in the, in, in the internet that made me chuckle. What was it? Can I ask? Uh, yeah, the uh, 
it didn't flow. They didn't like how it was continent by continent. That wasn't a flow they liked, uh, and the, they didn't like how the photographs touched each other. Yeah, so that was enough for a two-star review. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that you don't spend too much time going down that rabbit hole. That's that's. I would no. imagine that's a weird place to be. <laughs> it's easy to fixate on. I I could care less. I chuckle. Um, you can't please everybody. This There's is true. There's any lesson in the world. That's, that's <laughs> definitely one I know. Yeah. Well, Pete, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. You bet. Thanks for uh, taking the interest. Of course. You've been listening to Valley Voices on KDNK. This was our interview with award-winning local photographer, Pete McBride. For KDNK, I'm Morgan Neely. Have a happy Christmas weekend. Mm-hmm.